Welcome to White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life and the true power of what is unseen. Let's discuss dreams, intuition, manifesting, as above, so below, angels, afterlife, the science of consciousness, and other infinite possibilities within and all around you. I hope every episode informs, inspires, and illuminates. So, now the scene is set, allow the grey rain curtain of this world to roll back and all to turn to silver glass. Let's walk barefoot together on the gentle, glistening sands of white shores to see what mystery lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely on White Shores, a far green country under a swift sunrise. I've got two enchanting and heartfelt guests today. I'm super excited. They are Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley, and they're the authors of Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships, which has just been published. And they're also co-hosts of their very own podcast, which I urge you to check out, called Holy and Human Podcast. Now, Eliza is a licensed marriage and family therapist, an intuitive and the author of Meet Your Soul. Adam is a certified somatic practitioner and yoga instructor who uses spiritual coaching, somatic healing, and his own intuitive abilities to connect people to their soul. Together, they help individuals awaken and deepen their soulful nature within relationships. Wow. Now, I'm recording this very close to Valentine's Day, which is actually the day that Holy Love is published, but it will come out a few weeks after. But I'm aware that love is in the air. Love is all around now. You know, you look around and people are thinking about Valentine's. So it's really perfect synchronicity. I'm speaking to you both today. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Okay, I'm first going to start with you, Elisa, about yourself, and then I'm going to move to Adam. I want to know how you both met, how this book came about, and I want to see if your stories match up. That's why I'm doing it individually. (laughs) Just make sure it's not like my best friend's wedding. Do you remember that scene with Julia Roberts? That's funny. (laughs) That's hilarious. Then I'm going to talk about your book and dig deeper with the usual probing insight listeners of White Shores have come to expect. Okay, Elisa, over to you. You know, I think this book is the result of what I learned through meeting and being with Adam, as well as just thousands of sessions. I'm a marriage and family therapist, as you said, and we do coaching work together with couples and we see these patterns. But a lot of what we I don't think this book would be written or could be written if if we didn't learn a lot from our own experience in our meeting about what is ego and what is soul. So we met through a mutual friend and um, I was in my ego around our meeting in the sense of I didn't really see him 
immediately. I energetically felt a strong, strong pull. And we started to have immediately kind of Kundalini-like symptoms happening where there was a strong energy charge. But my ego's interpretation was not aware of what was happening. But my body and soul knew this was a reunion when we met. It wasn't a first meeting. And because I soul journal, my first book, Meet Your Soul, was written in 2015. And that's all about how to raise your brain state from beta to theta to contact your higher self and to get information from that all-loving, all-wise part of yourself that's outside the ego. So I was soul journaling at the time, and my soul told me, someone's coming for you. And and then when I met Adam, it was like, this is your spiritual husband. You can choose in this lifetime to do that or not. You have the free will to choose around it, but this is this is him. And if you come together, there's specific work you will do in the world to help people, which is this work of holy love in relationships. So that's oh, kind of the, the short <laughs> the short version. There's many versions <laughs> I could go into. Can we just say kundalini? Is that just not another word for lust? It is not another word for lust. I mean, you know, and in fact, classically, kundalini is known as um, going up the spine. So energy starting in the first chakra and going up the spine. And actually we had, so technically it wouldn't be classified as kundalini because we were having downloads that felt like seizures of energy coming in the top of our head. We actually called them love bombs because we realized whether we are together or separate, it would be like 334 on a Tuesday. And we would fall on the ground. I know this is a dramatic story to start out with and probably not super relatable to most people, but this is what happened to us. <laughs> we had these 15 minute increments of these kind of like shaking. Like there was times where I fell on the floor with like love energy and felt like the divine was like ripping open my heart in a new way of opening me up. And we started to recognize that these little 15 minute increments were happening at the same time to us, whether we, so it felt like there was almost like when you attune an instrument, there was this like energetic tuning happening. And it really wasn't lust because I didn't know in the beginning I was like, what is this? What's happening here? Is Am I supposed to meditate with this person? Am I supposed to teach with this person? So it wasn't like I need to have sex with this person. It was more of some kind of weird energetic memory and um, in- initiation was happening. Oh, it sounds blissful. That energy, that energy of love and connection when it's mind, body and soul. It sounds blissful. Um, and it kind of makes me feel a bit, you know, I, I always remember Tom Cruise jumping on the sofa in, <laughs> in Oprah with Katie Holmes. And I know he got a lot of stick for that, but he probably was genuinely in love with her at the time. I don't know. But, you know, that bliss, that absolute bliss that you've met someone that you completely connect with. And and I would say that that's a good moment of something that looks like love. That is really projection, because if you know about their relationship at all, it's like there's a lot of control there. And yeah, it, that was maybe that wasn't at the beginning. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I it's I'm just just remembering that though. P, I remember him jumping up and down. Well, like, I, I think I, that's actually a really good point because I think the bliss is the same. But what we're real, what what holy love is really about is discernment about what kind of category if it's true love energy as an energy or if it's projection as an energy because love is not yeah. um, love is eternal. 
if it's real yes. energy of love, whereas projection fades when, you know, somebody doesn't give us what we think we want or isn't meeting our expectations of what ticks the boxes in relationship. And so I actually love that you brought that up because we'll use a lot of times, I don't know if you remember when Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake were first together and they wore matching denim outfits. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, Britney was asked in an interview, um, so how do you know when you really love someone? And she's like, <laughs> you know, gets really serious. And, you know, she's probably like, I don't know, 19 or something when this happened. But she said, when you know, you just know. And she really thought, you know, they were in love and they were in a moment for sure, a cultural collective moment. But I would say that wasn't real love. That was projective energy. And speaking from experience in my own life, I was in a relationship from 14 to 23 that I thought was love, which turned out to be yeah. all projection. And I think many people can relate to that. You thought something was love and then it turned out because projection feels just like love where yes, it, it, it can it can be really difficult to tell is this really but the difference is is it coming from ego or soul and so holy love is really about what is that difference so i love that we started right off yeah. with this conversation it's, it's a topic we are so passionate <laughs> I'm sorry, about we're yeah and a dark celebrity turn i'm gonna <laughs> come to you now adam you must be used to this when women start talking about love Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. He's familiar with this feeling of women (laughs) talking about love around him. (laughs) Adam, over to you. What was our first meeting? Oh, yeah. Well, like Elisa said, you know, there was a lot of there's there's a very long version of the story. But I think that for me, the initiation into our relationship was like Elisa said, we had egoic resistance. This wasn't something that we immediately recognized as like, oh, this, you know, we weren't Brittany or our Tom Cruise <laughs> or, uh, you know, and we actively resisted it. And uh, yeah, what part of the story? <laughs> this is This is the part of the story I will tell is at one point we were in a room together and we were sitting across from each other and Elisa was talking and I, and at one point I started zoning out. Like I couldn't hear what she was saying and experience was overcoming me. And in that moment, I saw this being of light come forward in her. And it was, it wasn't, different than Elisa. It was Elisa, but it was almost her energetic self, her essence and her soul. And I had never seen anything like that in my entire life. And um, I had no reference point for what was happening. I also wasn't even in a meditative state or anything like that. I was just kind of bumbling along in my ego. So I literally pushed back on the couch and I said, what the F is happening? (laughs) I had like a shock response. But then what I saw was this form of light right in front of her just smiled at me. And in that moment, there was this recognition of, oh, that's, you're who I've been looking for this entire time. And it was, it was as if there was this piece of me that 
had always had this longing, but I had never recognized the longing. It had it. I think it showed up in my life previously as just sort of a a daily existential pain of like, where is she? But I didn't recognize it until that moment. And so in that moment was the first moment where I felt, I would say, a holy love, where I felt a love Mm -hmm. that was beyond her ego and my ego and beyond what I even imagined relationships to be. It was a love that was complete. And I know that for a lot of people, the phrase or the idea of another person completing you can be really taboo right now because there's so much stress on finding your independence and your power and not needing to lean on somebody. And I think that there's stages in relationships and that, but I I truly believe that, so that can show up. Absolutely. I think if we're looking for completion from a codependent place or from a place of trying to, you know, calm a wound or heal something, uh, but there is a eternal love as well. And I, and the whole purpose of our book is to really show people that, this I, this notion that a spiritual path is something that we have to take alone, that to find yourself, you need to be an island, that you need to find your own sovereignty is true to some extent, but also that when we are actually authentic with our through our intimacy, that that is a place of spiritual awakening. That when two people come together and they really see each other and recognize and respect each other on a soul level, that that can be a spiritual path and awakening. So that relationships, you know, for me, I think that spirituality can always be boiled down to love, right? Where is the love right now? Are you connected to love? Are you aligned to love? And for me, the most efficient place to find that is with the people we love. But we do often need some tools for navigation to do that well. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's where your book, Holy Love, comes in, because it's it's a really, really beautiful read that I, I highly recommend. And I, I really relish what you said. Instead of I love you, maybe to tell people in your life you care about, I see you. You know, I see you for who you are. I don't want to change you. I love you as authentically you. I mean, that is true connection. But this this is, I, I hear what you're saying. It's absolutely beautiful. And you touched on it briefly when you were speaking before about how right now there is a sense of being independent, falling in love with yourself. I mean, that is the greatest relationship of all really with yourself, because if that's not right, everything else is going to go wrong. And you acknowledge that in your book as as well. My only concern is that your book um, may come across as a bit smug. That's all I'm saying is that <laughs> because you're so beautiful, both of you, um, and you just look so in love. And there are a lot of people now, especially around Valentine's Day, it's one of the most tough days of the year if you are alone. So can you tell me a bit about people who are alone right now and they're hearing this and longing for the intimacy that you two have? What advice would you give if, if for whatever reason in their life that's not their journey right now? Just could you give some advice for people listening who are not in a couple? 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, our work, a lot of, at least his first book is called Meet Your Soul. And that book is all about creating that in, inner relationship with your own soul. And your soul mm. is the source of unconditional love in your life. It's the part of you that is eternal, that existed before you were born and after you die. And so we always stress that people strengthen that ability to speak with their own soul often first before they're ready for a relationship. Not in all cases. I didn't want to say always because sometimes that can happen through relationship as well. So, but this book, we didn't write just for intimate couples. And uh, we, you know, these are relationship techniques for all relationships. For, I use these techniques probably more often with my kids than I do with Elisa. We have a seven and 13 year old and we use the, holy love isn't just for intimate partnership. It's also for, every relationship in your life with your parents, your children, your friendships, your coworkers, acquaintances, even strangers. It's all about, are you relating and connecting to the ego of the person in front of you, their actions, behaviors, who they think they are? Or are you seeing the same way Adam saw my soul, the soul? Because it's actually the opposite of smug. The reality is we're surrounded by miracles, all of us in every moment, whether you're single or in a partnership. And the book is about how to see and connect to the miracle in front of us, no matter what that is. Adam's going to die one day. I'll die one day. So it's not like we lost our connection to God or the divine through only our physical connection. These skills and tools are about, can you know love? Can you stay with love regardless of what is physically going on around you in terms of what is or isn't even manifested? I'm 100% clear Adam wouldn't even have come into my life if I hadn't been doing deep, intensive soul work on my own for 15 years previously, because I had to be have my muscles toned and honed in a certain way spiritually to be able to receive and even be with the amount of spiritual boot camp that our relationship requires. And our relationship isn't egoic where it's just like, I won the lottery. I get love. We we came together because our souls have a mission of how to awaken and help people. That's really the kind of main soul contract behind our union. So it it isn't something we at all feel smug about. Sometimes we actually feel almost embarrassed about sharing how much we love each other because we don't want that to be the interpretation. But what we've come to from our souls is really that We all as humans have this longing in our heart to be seen and met. We're really lucky that right now we get to be, who knows how long, temporarily in this physical world in a situation where that's really happening for us. But whether he dies or I die or things happen, everything we're saying is still true, that there is an ego, there is a soul, these tools are available, and it can help bring love to any relationship. One thing we do is work with couples that have a lot of problems. Maybe someone's cheated on someone. Maybe things have happened that are pretty intense. My background's working in addiction and rehab. So, I mean, I've in, in suicide lines. So, it's not all fairies and rainbows and roses. I think our work is how do you find the connection? We have couples all the time that are on the verge of divorce who learn to see the soul in each other. And it's like a, re, it's like a new marriage. It's like a whole new experience of each other. Because they weren't, you know, connecting to that part of each other. So um, we just see it as like skills. We also see it as work. You know, we in the book, we talk about how this isn't this isn't a fairy tale romance 
type of book or spiritual work and that it's and this is about doing the real work we didn't want to give people more spiritual uh, ideas or philosophies we wanted to have really practical exercises and meditations that people could actually use in marriages and as parents you know we tried to make techniques that parents could use if they had only 10 minutes in the bathroom between watching their kids you know so we are all about what really works in life and what really helps. It really comes down to what Adam said earlier as where is love right now? What is the love message? And maybe for some people that's to leave a relationship or to be celibate for a while or to go out on that date when you don't want to, right? It's completely dependent on that person's unique situation and the chapter they're in. So it's really connecting. Holy love is also connecting to your soul. So it's listening to what does love want me to know today? Which is often a lot of inner child work, right? Of where am I wounded? Where where am I cynical? Where do I feel I'm mad at love or I feel let down by love? And how do we bring love to that wound? Because we don't live in a perfect world. And most of us usually have a history of trauma within relationships. So there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot of healing that we all need to have around it. Well, that's what I respected so much about your work because it became evident um, very early on reading Holy Love that it was about so much more than the the main relationship. It was about your relationship with everyone and everything in your life. And that's what I really, really respected about it. Thank you for writing that. It's, it's really powerful. And I like it because it's so unusual. As I said, there's so much emphasis on the solo, you know, falling in love with yourself right now. And you guys are approaching it in a in a beautifully um, soul felt way. So, so thank you. Thank you. I'm um, going to talk a bit now, if you're in a couple now, how long have you two have been together? 10 years and in, two, two kids. Ten years. Okay. So <laughs> I'm nearly 25 years into my relationship. Oh, nice. So there's, there's a part of me that says, um, you know, when, when you've been there that long, I mean, you're both still very young and beautiful. In the passage of time, what and problems do you anticipate, or do you what what what? Um, not problems. I hate that word problem. So let's look at solutions. But what do you think about the future of your relationship and how you're going to grow older together? Well, um, we have I mean, one reason we were resistant on an ego level is because there's a 13 year age difference between us, and yes. I, and I'm older. So my ego did not like the idea of gray hairs and droopy boobs with my younger hot musician partner who had groupies. (laughs) (laughs) My ego did not love that plan. I wanted to feel special and I wanted to feel hot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, now I'm in love with a person who I'm going to get older before. And you know how society is in general with, you know, women and men of different ages. It's kind of the cliche of the younger woman with with the man. And you know what my soul told me about that? <laughs> she said, your what? ego might really care about your saggy boobs <laughs> and your gray hair, but you're going to discover what real love is because this is a person who's ready of being able to see your soul. And he'll notice, he'll see the gray hairs and stuff, but he really loves you. And he's really connected to the beauty. I mean, during COVID, it's like uh, throughout the quarantine, I've gained 30 pounds. Adam still thinks I'm just as hot as before. The energy is still there. So I think, and I can't say this is for every couple because some people won't have this experience, but for us, I know 
I'm going to get old. I might be in diapers and he will be with me and loving me um, and vice versa, because we are connected on a soul level. We say in the book, ego is the part of us that really cares about the spark and keeping the spark alive. Soul doesn't strive to stay hot because it naturally is so incredible of a miracle when you tune to it and get in relationship to that energetic resonance in that field. It's a field of grace and it's a field where healing happens. So it's again, just about kind of like, how do we find and enter that space? But I think you know, what you're saying, you know, if we were sitting with you and your husband, we'd probably do some exercises where we'd be like, eye gazing, maybe looking (laughs) into each other's eyes and noticing where the resistance or the ego narratives come up, in order to kind of express and feel those to be able to start to um, see what's going on energetically there. And I think it's my husband would just my husband, he's he's um completely different to me he's not into what I do we're um, used to that I mean, it too kind of it works. usually is the husbands why are all the women open to the work yeah. and the men are like I don't know about this woo woo mumbo jumbo uh, I usually work with begrudging husbands yeah that's usually our, <laughs> our main client and yeah. we we have people all the time yeah. that are just kind of like like we have people on the verge of divorce we talk to regularly because that's when they call right it's like therapy you don't go in when you're feeling good you go when the crisis happens so i know we might come off as sounding like really naive and young and hopeful and delusional about what love is but i think when people come to a retreat and they end up falling off their chairs crying on the ground because they have actually accessed what we're talking about energetically like cynical people (laughs) um the proof's in the pudding the first place isn't it when someone is cynical and, and and doesn't want to talk about spiritual or soul felt level that's that's the you know the fact that they are at your retreat is a huge step i think absolutely like a- and i think cynicism is a defense to intimacy with the divine yeah. that's what cynicism is yeah. it's not skepticism it's not like i'm open minded and skeptical it's i'm i have a, a pain in my heart because i do have a longing there's a part of me that yeah. wants something or i wouldn't be so angry about it there's a part in the book that I address that Ab- specific absolutely. topic f- because of because of that work we've done with people where I talk about how we're all born with this inherent longing to be met. And that doesn't always mean an intimate relationship. It just means with our fellow humans. There's a part of us that wants authentic emotional contact with other people. And yeah. what is that? What really is that? Are we trying to fulfill something or is it just a natural part of us that is guiding us towards something? You know, we define love. We really get very particular about how we define love in the book because many people see love as an emotion, but we really see love as a process, as almost a crucible. Love is a process that if you... Because if you're listening to love, it is guiding you through everything. And what I love, the people I love working with are long-term marriages. Because that's when all the projections start to die. All that It, it kind of takes 25 years sometimes yeah. for the projections to actually start <laughs> fading. Yeah, where the honeymoon yeah. phase is over, where our ego uh, lens starts getting defogged. And often that's when we start getting into real contact 
So yeah. I often makes me sad sometimes when I go to to restaurants and I do see couples who've clearly been together for a long time and they not saying anything yeah. to each other. And that's so unfortunately so common, right? Because we yeah. aren't trained as a society in like how to do this. I mean, one of my mentors was Marion Woodman, who's a Jungian psychotherapist who's passed away now. But she talked a lot about her relationship with her husband, Ross, where she talks about this story I always remember they were together for 40 years and um, he came down one morning and he didn't do some, you know, take out the trash and he was wearing his boxers and like galoshes. And she looked it over at his bony legs and thought I could do, I could have done better, you know, like, <laughs> like that, you know, and that's an egoic thought. And it's not like we've all have stupid thoughts from mm. our ego, but she noticed, whoa, where, where'd that energy come from? What's behind that? And, yeah. and really struggled with the egoic version of each of her relationship with Ross, and then also what her soul was saying. And then ultimately, they are a love story, because they withdrew the projections in the relationship. And when I met Marion late in her life with Ross, they were deeply in love in their late 70s. And um so they had navigated that chasm. It's like anytime you have a crisis in relationship, it's like someone cheats or someone's about to leave. There's an opportunity as well, because it's actually the threshold of potentially really meeting each other for the first time without the the illusion of the young good lucks, right? Or the power and wealth or whatever was the baby and the initial draw. So there's an opportunity to really discover each other as souls. That's, I think, one of the benefits of aging and getting droopy boobs and gray hair is we we can actually now have time to focus really on just who we truly are, the eternal part of ourselves, instead of having to be so consumed with trying to keep up with just being young or whatever. Oh, aging is a, I, I actually have come to the conclusion aging is a joy and that uh, wishing to be younger, I don't think is very wise at all. It's, um, I certainly wouldn't want to go back. I enjoy the process of just evolving really and, and having that bigger picture that you don't necessarily have when you were younger. But there will be some people listening who have met their what they feel to be their soulmate. I'd like to talk about that term in a minute. Um, but they've maybe um, passed over, um, they're departed. Do you, uh, what's your advice then? Keeping an ongoing relationship in spirit? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're both mediums. And so we didn't really talk about that in this book, but people call us for sessions all the time to connect to their loved ones on the other side. And really what the loved ones want and what we hear consistently from, from I learned to do this when my dad died. We were really, really close. He died in 2006 and he started coming through and giving me messages about his biochemistry business that we were trying to run. That was very specifically things that were validated in the physical world. Um, his first message was send a, this letter. To, he showed me an image in my head of Texas and a woman and a yellow envelope. And he said, as a spirit to me, go find this, um, tech, this woman, this envelope and send it to her. And then, you know, he was one of those people with piles and piles of paper, like a mountain on his desk. And my mom and I dug through and found there it was a, a, an addressed important business document that had not, not been sent before he died. Um, that was the first validation I needed that was like, oh, you really are there, <laughs> you know, because yeah. even though I'd already developed my psychic skills, there's part of us that's just so in shock about, is it real? Can they really 
remain. And I talk about in Holy Love, I had an out of body experience that has led to a lot of how I know this information. And when I had left my body as a spirit, and I looked down and saw my physical body, that was also my own experience of like, wow, I can't believe I'm existing as consciousness. And I didn't didn't just disappear because I think I grew up with a, a cynical father who was a scientific man who was raised in Catholicism. And he, so he was very much with the messaging when you die, it's fade to black. That's it. Worms meet. It's over. Game over. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm still existing outside of my body. So what does that mean about consciousness and what happens to us? And it, it opened up uh, a path. And so, yeah, I think what, you know, it depends on the individual if we're doing like uh, sessions, because um, usually it's just about continuing the conversation and the relationship. And sometimes I've had all kinds of things happen. I have one client where her, it was unfortunate, her um, partner committed suicide, and they had a baby together, a newborn, and he had a history of drug abuse. And f- from the other side, he said, I'm passing the baton to my best friend to be the father of my child. I feel so guilty that I left, but I was in depression and that's what I did. But I'm giving you the blessing to be with my best friend. And when I told her this message, she burst into tears because she had been newly in the relationship with this friend and she felt so guilty. And the shame she felt from the whole community of like, betraying his memory and going with the best friend when that's what her soul and his soul were saying to do because he loved her and recognized he wouldn't be in the physical plane. So he didn't want her celibate, you know, longing for him. She, he wanted her living her human life um, and knowing that the love between them was bigger than just being in a monogamous spirit relationship, which is a funny way of saying it. So I've seen all kinds of different things. So it's like love is really big, right? Yeah. And it can mean all kinds of different things, but it is just about, usually yeah. it's just, what do you think they're saying to you? What do you think your loved one wants you to know? Yeah, I think mediumship is actually a great sort of way of understanding the type of love we're talking about. Because in the story that Elisa just said, when she's connecting to him on the other side, she's connecting to an eternal love to his love that is connected to a a divine type of love and so and maybe in that lifetime maybe he would have been jealous of the friend maybe he would have had his own egoic feelings and beliefs so that's the type of work we do in the room with couples so we'll take a couple and we'll take a conflict and we'll say okay these are your egoic interpretations and our book is split up we've we've made four categories of different types of relationships. We call it the four spiritual relationships. And we really believe that you need to do all of these relationships well, and that none is less than the other. So the first relationship is your ego to ego relationship. So in a conflict with a couple, we will first make sure that they have healthy egoic communication and good functioning there and that they know how to reflect each other's feelings. So this is not a lesser relationship, uh, but it may not be a relationship that's connected to that eternal essence of one another. And, and in that relationship, sometimes if someone is cynical or angry or resistant, they need space to express that and to be held in love in that experience. Because sometimes that's the work as if someone's like, I'm skeptical of this work and I'm don't want to do it. And it's like, okay, we're, that's okay. You have that feeling. Let's like 
hold it and be with that. I think a lot of times people feel rushed or pushed or, you know, like people are trying to convert them. And I think it's really important to go really slow and to not, you know, try to change each other from what our ego is doing. Yeah. And we have no dogma or our set rules that we say people should follow, that you need to stay in your relationship forever, that you need to leave your relationship. It's not about creating rules. What we create, all the tools we use are about connecting to your own inner truth and inner intuition on it. So then with that couple, for instance, then we would have them each connect and do some exercise and meditations to their own soul and their own truth on that topic and uh, get access to that higher wisdom there and hold those two things in a loving way. Hold their their egoic feelings and hold that part of them that has that access to unconditional love until they feel a healing there. And then we, I won't go into too many details because uh, we don't have too much time today, but then we, you know, use intuitive uh, dialogue techniques with the couple so that they can elevate the conversation. Mm, thank you so much. And um, I loved what you were saying about, you know, death, um, ending a life, not a soul felt relationship. Thank you. But just quickly, before we give details about your book and, um, and your podcast, and I ask you a question unique to you, um, White Shores. Um, um, can you tell me a bit about this term soulmate? Can you have many soulmates? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you this idea. Of one, uh, we see soulmate, we? soulmate as anyone who you're really connecting with on a soul level and have a soul lesson or contract with. So our children can be, this is our definition, you know, not everyone might say it in the same way, but we see it as soulmates are our friends, our family, our loved ones that, and those intimate partnerships that we're really having a soul contract with. Sometimes people will use twin flame as kind of uniquely just like in an intimate relationship. And that's kind of a different thing altogether. But um, I think that's kind of the premise of holy love is we can't live as soulmates if we don't know ourselves first as souls. So it's really about, I think what our book does is waking people up to who and how the soulmates are in your life and then how to amplify that part of the relationship. Like the example of Marion Woodman before, her and Ross didn't start as soulmates. They were, but they didn't know it. And then through their process of withdrawing the psychological projections and opening and softening, they became soulmates or, you know, actualized the soulmateness in their relationship. Oh, and I hope pets let have play a part in that as well. Yes, <laughs> yes. I agree with that. I have, I have my soul dog here watching yes. Marnie. <laughs> Animals, I think, are some of our greatest loves. I mean, they're unconditional lovers. They're incredible. They are. Oh, thank you so much. Please tell us um, when your book's out, how to find out about you and your podcast, please. What's the best portal to your world? Yeah, you can uh, find everything on our website, holyandhuman.com. Our book is coming out on Valentine's Day, February 14th. It's available for pre-order at all book distributors, Amazon's Barnes Noble, Book Depository. uh, It's at all local bookstores. If you pre-order the book, we are doing a free event. This will be over by then. Oh, never mind. This is going to air after (laughs) that. But here's a good thing to know about is if you go to holyandhuman.com, we have a lot of free guided meditations because sometimes it's hard in the beginning to meditate and quiet the monkey mind. So we have a lot of ones where we talk you through with beautiful music 
how to relax your body and start to tr- change your brain state from beta to theta to access some of these experiences of meeting your own soul and then listening to what your soul wants you to know. So it's a fun thing to play Perfect. with. Perfect. And and you people can order the book from your website and find out about your podcast. I assume that's the best place to get. Yep. You can listen to our podcast anywhere. It's on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, but it's also you can listen directly on our website as well. You're both so super eloquent and insightful and illuminating. I'm sure many people will be drawn to that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking to us today. It was really wonderful (laughs) to connect. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I've got to torture you with a question. Listeners of White Shores will be familiar with my rather odd questions that I ask. We love love odd Um, questions. Often related to my love of Lord of the Rings. Um, um, So if you're not a Lord of the Rings fan, you might well stumble, but I give you an alternative. Um, Is there a line or a quote from Lord of the Rings that means a lot to you? If you don't know Lord of the Rings, can you give me a line line from a I don't think oh, we know Lord of the Rings that I well. Wish, I wish yeah. I did. We talk about Tolkien a lot because he was he's an I don't know if you know the Myers Briggs, but he's an INFP, which is what Adam is, which is a, one of the more rare type personality types. And INFPs are known to be some of the best sci-fi fiction and fantasy writers. Um so Adam's always yeah. talking about different stories he wants to write. So I don't oh, think I'd be able to answer. Yeah, Unf- I wish I could. <laughs> well, being a Lord of the Rings nerd, I will give you the line that really jumped oh, out. Oh, okay. It's Arwen, the fairy um, princess. Um, she's obviously eternal life, but she gives up her eternal life to become mortal because of, she meets her soulmate. And she says, mm. I would rather share one lifetime with you than face all the ages of this world alone. So that I made I, that made me think it's a very I did place. I did say something similar to that. I think that was a good read because um when Adam and I were first together, my ego was very scared. He's younger. What if this only lasts a year or two? And um is this a really dumb thing for me to be doing, an unsafe thing? And my soul said, you know, let's say if it only lasts two years, it'll be the best two years of your life. So, um, yeah. But is there a line from a song or movie that changed you? Because, I, um, again, White Shores, we talk about movies and songs and music a lot. Well, I will is say there... one thing um, is that Adam is a singer-songwriter, and when he writes ah. songs, they are about holy love. And we actually have a free song we're giving out a couple days before oh, the book's out. It's part, part of that. Can you give me a line to leave listeners with, something to ponder? So you cut off there at the last. Did you? What, what did you say? A line from a song that um, something something to leave people to reflect on and ponder that kind yeah. of captures the essence of you. Well, uh, I'll I will quote that song I wrote about the book um, just because it's the only line that can come to me in this moment. But at one really? point in the song, I say, uh, "I've been." Sp- Call it, oh man, I can't remember. <laughs> it's, it's a muscle memory thing, you know. I remember when it's. You know, I get this when people read out of my my books in an interview I'm doing. I, Did I write that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, Elisa, Elisa will give you a line here. I mean, one thing we always come back to, and I think this is really what the book's about too, is Einstein has this great quote that there are two ways to live your life. One is though nothing is a miracle. The other as though everything is a miracle. And I think that's what holy love is, is putting on those love goggles so that um, you're seeing the miracle of the fact we're 
we're consciousness in bodies that are being, you know, um, having access to just so many, it's, it's almost overwhelming when you think about how many miracles are happening, even for us to just have this conversation across the world <laughs> through a microphone. I know you know? you're in the UK and you guys all the way over there. I know it's amazing, isn't it? And it's been a miracle for me to talk to you both um, and to be introduced to your world. And I hope everybody listening checks out these Oh, here's a four. good Rolling Stones one is you can't always oh. get, get what you want but you can get what you need. That's a good summary of the ego and the soul. Sometimes what we think we want isn't really what is truly best for us. And I think sometimes the soul knows exactly what we need on a soul level. Music can speak to us on a soul level, can't it? Um, Sometimes it can say so much more than words. Thank you so, so much for all that you are and do and for the unique gift of your precious time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you from my heart and soul for being here and walking beside me in spirit on white shores. Sensitive, kind, compassionate souls like you who see beyond the material are needed more than ever today to help this earth heal and evolve. If you have any questions, stories or insights to share, I absolutely love hearing from you and aim to reply to everyone in due course. My website is www.teresachung.com. My contact email is angeltalk710 at aol.com. And you can message me via my Instagram handle, the Teresa Chung, as well as my Facebook and Twitter author pages. Until we meet again on these white shores, keep being amazing spiritual you, sending my eternal love and gratitude.